Welcome to another episode of The Student Manager. I am joined by former guest two, three years ago when actually he was at Northeastern, Jack Meyer, and his longtime girlfriend, where they met, we'll talk about this, Northeastern, Elena Muchnick, and they're joining us from the Bay Area, San Francisco, am I correct? You are, Michael. Thanks for having us. Very excited to be here. No problem. And you guys are probably like my fourth couple on this podcast. I think three out of the four are still together. I don't know. I I think there's the high percentages. So I do have to be very selective in who I pick. But this will be an interesting podcast because not only will we – it's April, May. And the time of the year is college students are trying to get internships. College seniors that are graduating are trying to get jobs. And we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the interviewing and hiring process. Obviously, I have a little mini spinoff called The Hiring Manager that's run on this podcast platform. But then we'll also talk about Northeastern because that's obviously where you guys met. But people are um, deciding on where they're going. May 1st is right around the corner deadline. But the thing that stands out for me when I hear Northeastern, and this will jump right into where you are today, is the co-op. Right. And how you get a co-op in college, the internships, how many you can take per quarter. And then obviously when you graduate, where you land. So how valuable when you when you both got into Northeastern, did you think that those co-ops were going to lead you to where you are today? So in my case, applying to Northeastern, I didn't even know that the co-op program existed, to be very honest with you. It was pretty early in its days there and it was obviously a pretty big value driver for the school but i i was relatively unaware of the program but i think once you get in you hear about it it kind of changes the game a little bit and i'll rewind a little bit so the co-op program you spend two years just kind of going through gen ed classes um, and then you can dive into the co-op program which is six months off of schooling while you go work at a company full-time for the six months you're getting paid hourly according to market wage for interns they kind of have a whole, whole portal set up where you can apply to jobs that you're interested in and you kind of run through the entire job process as if you know you were going to apply for a full-time job. These companies will look at your resumes and uh, accept you for interviews and you'll sit down with hiring managers and kind of go through the whole thing. So students can do up to three of these that you have to do at least one at Northeastern. And so you would go, you'd spend your two years in gen ed classes, six months in the co-op program, six months in school, and kind of go from there um, and up the three co-ops total. And I think the great thing about the program is you can kind of try out the things that you're interested in. And so like for me, I came into Northeastern studying biology and I did my first co-op at a pharmaceutical company. And I found out that that you know, wasn't necessarily something I was interested in and you can kind of flip-flop moving forward into your second and third internships. Elena, how many co-ops did you do? Did you take advantage of all three? Yeah, I did all three. And it was a definitely a big factor of why I wanted to go to Northeastern. Um, I recognized that I had no idea how to get a job or what I was going to be doing after school. So I went to the business school kind of just saying marketing sounds generic and kind of creative. So uh, I'll try that, try some different marketing co-ops and see what fits. Um, and I think both of us ended up getting jobs out of our third or second co-ops. So um, it definitely 
was very valuable to get those experiences. Yeah. And I think out of all of our friends at Northeastern, I would say 80 to 85% of them are now working full time where they co opt mm-hmm. at university. Are they working full time at the first co op, second co op, or third co op? Or was it this one and then it's maybe the last one that they're working? Yeah, I would say majority is the last one. They kind of try out one or two. You figure out what you like, you don't like. You kind of secure a a third co-op that you're really interested in because you have this prior job experience now. Mm -hmm. And then it just makes sense for these companies to bring you on. You know, they've trained you for six months. Why would we bring in another full-time employee that we have to train from scratch? Let's just bring in this, you know, for all intents and purposes, Mm -hmm. a full-time employee at this point. And it's the experience. That's why I tell people go for an internship when you're in in college, maybe not through a co-op where you have a process and a plan and program, but that's where you decide if you find out if you have passion or not. It's an internship. Either you like it or you don't. Maybe you go to the second internship or the second co-op or the third co-op. You have friends, obviously, at different universities right? And you all kind of went through that same process. Did you find having that Northeastern experience compared to your other friends, you were ahead of the game, ahead of the process. And they said, Jack, Elena, how did you do this? Like what? I'm struggling. I can't find a job. I can't find an internship. I would say we were um, miles ahead in how to apply for a job. Um, I helped my younger sister and some of my younger friends after I had gotten a job and even just after my first co-op experience of what does a resume look like? What does an interview process look like? What kind of questions to ask? Um, the follow-ups, things like that, that we have classes at Northeastern that the whole class is dedicated to learning those skills. So we didn't go in blind to those that first co-op um, interview process. We really were trained on what is professional and what companies will expect. I know that my peers did not have that experience of that training. And I think, you know, whether or not you do a co-op or just a three-month internship or even, you know, some are offering six months kind of standard internships. I now am at my full-time job and I'm kind of looking at resumes every once in a while when we're bringing in full-time analysts. I'm not looking at GPA you know, I'm loosely looking at school. I'm looking at job experience. That's, you know, that's really all that I care about. And that's what I'm asking people when I'm interviewing them. Um, and I'm sitting on, you know, the other side of the table now. Um, so I think, you know, experience is everything and just, you know, securing some type of work experience is the most valuable piece of getting a, a full-time job. You nailed it right on the, the dot because even like getting into college, it, it's a number. GPA, unweighted, weighted, you know, out here in Orange County. Oh, the sweatshirt brand. My my son's a four six. I'm like, no, what's their unweighted GPA? Well, what's that? Right. And, and it's all about that experience and what you have on the resume. That's why I, I tell people, go work for free. Obviously, you're at North North uh, Eastern where you get a co-op and getting paid, but take that opportunity, work for free. Uh, Elena, I uh, let let's get to it because for those of the that are unfortunate, that can't go to Northeastern. Jack, would you, yes or no, would you get in the Northeastern today? No, absolutely not. It is a very, very competitive school now. I think that everybody's kind of caught on to this co-op program and I would be rejected. And Jack, modern day graduate, Elena from Missouri graduate. Elena, would you get in the Northeastern today? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I did uh, early acceptance where when they accepted me, they knew I had to 
I had to go. Um, that's pretty much the only way that I even got in back in the day because I fully committed. <laughs> so let's give people an opportunity to get some insight, juniors or seniors out there that are in college today, looking how to get an internship, maybe some of the skill sets, some characteristics, things that can separate themselves apart from others that you learned at Northeastern. And we'll kind of just bullet point it. Elena, what would you say definitely helped you where you were able to help your sister during that interviewing process? I think the first thing, like base level, is how to make a resume and how to word the bullet points of your internship experience um, or the experience that you had in high school volunteering or, you know, as a leader on your sports team, um, the language that they're looking for, the verbs that show that you did something that was valuable and impactful to the organization that you were working with is really what they're looking for. Um, And there are keywords, there's so many resources out there that can help you. But I think first and foremost, like, showing that you made an impact on whatever you are involved in is really, really important um, to start. I coach my kids on some buzzwords and it's definitely been helping them. So let's hear a couple buzzwords or some key bullet points and then we'll we'll dig into that. What would be two or three? Um, I would show that you drove driving some sort of outcome. So on a sports team, you drove your team to some sort of championship um, through motivation. You, on a volunteering organization, um, you know, you drove that fundraising profits in some sort of way, um, showing that you can do, execute an outcome. Um, Yeah. And I think building on that, I think including numbers and figures in this type of thing is important, you know, executed this amount of fundraising goal, you know, the sports example, you know, this many RBIs, this many runs, this many, you know, whatever base hits um, kind of shows an organization that, first of all, you, you know what you're doing um, and then that you can also make an impact. Let's talk about the numbers game, because obviously mental health is a big thing in your generation in college. And there's enough stress, enough pressure academically. But now, oh, my God, I got to go get a job. And 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 the interviewing and higher processing is a job in itself. Agree? Agreed. Definitely. And it's a numbers game and there's a lot of rejection. So let's talk about what maybe you've gone through and maybe some advice and recommendations that you would give to someone listening about how to battle through it, the perseverance, the persistence, because it there is going to be a lot of rejection. Right. Absolutely. We graduated um, in 2021 mm-hmm. um, in the spring. So it was mid-pandemic, not too much hiring. So we definitely saw a lot of rejection um, from the competition that was all of the college uh, seniors trying to get a job. I think at some point, you really just need to um, make yourself stand out and go that extra mile for the companies and the jobs that you really are passionate about and think that would be a good fit for you. You can, of course, send out a million resumes, but they're flipping through, you know, hundreds of resumes. Um, you might get lucky, but I would definitely recommend trying to go that extra mile um, to get attention. Yeah. I also think it's just a practice game. I remember applying for my first co-op and I think I applied to 
you know, 20, 25 jobs. I didn't have a lot of experience. I went to these interviews. I didn't really know what I was doing. Got a lot of, you know, no callbacks, no whatever the word is for, you know, reaching <laughs> back out to me post interview. Um, and it was discouraging. And I got a call up late and it was difficult. And then by that third cycle, when I had interviewed, you know, 30 times, I applied for five jobs that I really liked. I got four of them. Um, and so I think it's just, what do you mean though? No, no, I didn't oh, say God. that. I was like, wow. Um, and so, you know, it was just, you know, a numbers game there. And then of course, getting better at it. Definitely. It's practice and it's definitely a numbers game. I know before, before I give you some of my secrets and tips, Elena, I'm curious to hear some things that make you stand out. So I'm an employer, right? So what were some of the things that you did that made you stand out? I think different things for co-op versus applying for a job post-college. Um, for an internship, I think they will be extra, feel extra special if you reach out to them on LinkedIn, because I think that a lot of college students are a little bit afraid to reach out. Also showing that you research the company, that you're very interested in this field or this job, uh, this particular company, knowing their culture is really important in that initial phone interview. That's something that they, they listen for. I would say post-college, again, um, maybe sending like a thank you note that you really put a lot of thought into, um, either an email or just something that shows that you listened to what they were saying in the interview and thought more about it afterwards. I would second the interest piece to be a very important piece. When yeah, I'm on the other side of the table looking at resumes and helping you know the hiring managers look at resumes, I think one of the biggest things that we look for is just genuine interest in the job. You know, when you're looking through 50 resumes, a lot of them just end up blurring together. And so if you have something on there or something in the interview that really shows that you want that specific job and not just any job, um, I think that that really sets you apart. If you don't hear from somebody within a week, maybe two weeks, and I'm just used to it. In sales, I follow up like once a week, but I'm trying to teach my kids and students of the power of a follow-up and what to say and how simple it is. What would be your recommendation how quickly to follow up if you don't hear back from the employer or the uh, whoever you're interviewing with? I would say as your last question in that initial interview, ask like, what is the timeline that I can expect to hear back from you so that you have a realistic expectation? So if they say, we'll reach out in a week or in 10 business days, give them that amount of time, maybe wait an extra 24 hours, and then you can send them a note that's just reminds them that you're thinking of them and that you're really excited to hear back. Agreed. I think you know that in addition to a follow-up right after the interview or maybe a couple hours later, just thanking them and maybe including one specific personal piece from the interview that maybe you found was interesting about the company themselves um, to kind of just, you know, remind them that you are a unique candidate and not just blending in with the others. Besides the co-op, because I say going to college is great. You start something, you finish something, you can wear the sweatshirt, whatever school you go to, you're very proud of it. But it just shows you can start something and finish something. It's really who you meet along that process and then networking. So obviously, we're going to talk about networking now. How 
did you network in college or did you even know? Uh, and Jack, you've known me for a long time. It's, it's right. Your dad knows a lot of connections. But when did you really understand the impact of networking and how it can really help you with that internship or that career? Was it in college or was it your senior year or was it your first year after college? I think when I was applying to my first job was when it really hit me. Um, I would say the majority of people that I know got a first job from someone they met along the way in their co-op experience or a professor or someone along the way in their college experience. I know that I reached back out to my manager at my favorite co-op and asked if anyone that she knows is ha- has any jobs open that she would recommend. So I ended up getting a job with her, um, which was fantastic. So I think that really shows the power of making strong connections as well. Um, and yeah, what would you say? I agree. I think that it kind of hit me middle of college. I'm still, you know, not the best at it, but I am in touch with my second co-op manager or boss, I guess, occasionally. And, you know, he liked me when I was working there. And I think that if I were to ever apply for a job there, I would have an okay chance at getting it. Um, And then I think on LinkedIn, just building on that, building out a whole profile and having recruiters, you know, reach out to you once you have even one single line of experience on LinkedIn, they'll kind of reach out to you and you can take phone calls with recruiters and they'll keep you in mind for future jobs. And so, you know, it's just, it makes it a lot easier than just cold applying to 50 jobs, having, you know, at least one or two wins at a few um, that you have a better chance of, of getting in than, you know, hundreds of applications to one, one specific job. And I always communicate, I can open the door for you, but at the end of the day, Jack and Elena are going to need to close it. But have you ever used resources uh, in your past experience once you're done with that interview to have a network? follow up, touch base with the person that might know somebody at that company organization to give that support or a rave of Jack Meyer or Elena Muchnick? I have not personally, but I know at the company that I currently work for, we have a whole portal where you can go in and like support someone's application that you know. So if you know anyone at that company, um, more than likely they can call someone or email someone um, to push your application forward. Yeah, agreed. I've had a couple of people reach out to me and and kind of push their application up. And obviously, you know, being 25 and fresh out of college, the pull that we have is obviously going to be a lot less than (laughs) the higher ups, but it's still absolutely better than coming in cold, I would say. Now, obviously, you're both working uh, hybrid, remote, up in the Bay Area. Jack, why don't you talk a little bit about the company that you work for, and then we'll go to Elena. Yeah, so I work for Hercules Capital. Um, we're a special specialty lender in the life science and tech space. Um, so we lend debt to early stage tech and life science companies. I've been working there now for about two years, and this was my third co-op, and then and then eventually ended up working here full time. Um, and the culture there is great. It's a really small company, about 85 people. It is hybrid work right now. So I spend Monday and Friday um, at home at my little home office setup. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we have a little shuttle that'll come into the city and drive us down to uh, Palo Alto, where the office is. 
is that a benefit of the company? So a shuttle comes, picks up all the employees. Right. For your, yeah, all the analysts in the city. Exactly. Wow. See, they didn't have that back in. Oh, well, of course, I wasn't working at some high-end company like you right after graduation. I was schlupping, trying to do some radio and TV shows, and then finally got into sales. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, of course, the co-op program has made it, uh, made it all possible. Elena, what about yourself? Yeah, I am a program manager on the innovation team for um, ServiceNow. It's a uh, software platform company. Um, I think there's like 25,000 people that work um, at the company. It's it's pretty big globally. Um, and it's been absolutely amazing. I feel like the resources um, working at a bigger company, obviously, um, have been very helpful as well as just the people and the culture there. It's, it's very um, pleasant to work with everyone. Here's a question I like to ask. What's one thing that you don't like about your company that they can improve upon? Am I going first? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that most people at ServiceNow would say that um, we need to use our technology um, more internally. They have so much built out, um, but just the little things. I would love to be able to make my own apps and use the tools a little bit more than I know how. Of course, you kind of have to be a developer to uh, really make it robust, but I would love to um, learn and have um, more people at the company using the tools. I think one thing that Hercules has gotten better at that they used to not be is promoting from within. And I think for all of the people you know applying for a job, I think this is going to be really important. And it, probably a great question to ask in an interview, to be honest, is you know, how long have your employees been here? Is there a lot of uh, internal mobility to, to kind of rise up the ranks? Um, you know, at Hercules, we had actually uh, a managing director now. So he's essentially the highest that you can be without being a C-suite executive. who started as a co-op 10 years ago, and he's now worked his way up to, you know, essentially the highest level in the company besides the CEO for all intents and purposes. Um, so that's something they've gotten really good at. Um, and then I think the other thing is training, you know, the training is not as good as it could be. You kind of go in and you have to figure things out. You're thrown into a bunch of fire drills. So I think that that could be improved on. And I think that that's another great question to ask in interviews is, you know, how does the training process look? Um, you know, is there a program for, for new employees or is it kind of just you learn as you go? And those are two great questions. Actually, I was helping uh, Julia prep for her interview. And I said, talk about, walk me through your onboarding process. If you want to use a real professional word, talk to me about your onboarding process. Or what is, after I have this, right? Assume that you already have the internship or the job. After I have this internship, what does the career path look like in marketing after I leave my program? Elena, are there any other additional questions that you think of besides the future career path or the onboarding and the training, what what else would you ask in the interview? I would like to know about um, the management style of the team and the collaboration style. I think that I work best when I have kind of like someone that I'm working with to collaborate on on a daily basis. Um, some teams, everyone kind of does their own work and then talks about it on you know a team call. Um, but I found over the course of my co-ops that um, having 
maybe someone that works with me, um, that we can mentor each other and support each other um, through the different projects, um, I think is best for me. So I think finding what works best for you and then trying to match it with what that managerial style is, what that team collaboration style is, um, is really important to feeling satisfied with your daily work. Yeah, agreed. I think another one that comes to mind too um, is just be specific. You know, I think for Hercules Capital, we invest in early stage life science companies. So I think if you were to go in and look at their portfolio of companies and, you know, zone in on maybe one company, do a little bit of research on it and ask that really specific pointed question, that's just another way to, you know, express your interest in the job. And it sounds like, and I communicate this too, not only are you interviewing for the company, right? They're interviewing you, but agree or disagree, you should be interviewing them. Completely agree. Yep. And I think that's obviously harder to do when you don't have a lot of experience. And it's a lot easier when you have leverage down the line and you've worked at three companies. But I think regardless, you want a place that you can foster your growth. And that's going to be really important for your first and second jobs. Absolutely. All right. I'm, we're going to have a little fun here. I'm going to throw out some buzzwords as if we're inter interviewing and going through that process. And we're going to get into really behavioral questions and very specific to help my audience and listeners uh, how they can answer and, and follow up. So I'm going to start with uh, uh, Elena. So what are some, give me three characteristics or three adjectives that describe yourself. What would they be? Oh gosh, are we doing, uh, let's say in the context of work, I would say I am patient, quick, <laughs> and um, I'm trying to think of a word for like, like seamless communication. And I can elaborate on what I mean by those. So you like how I'm putting you on the spot. All right, let's go with patient. So you think you're patient, all right? Give me an example of you being patient, Elena. Um, I think when you're in a intense work environment um, with a lot of different personalities, but also a lot of different projects and requests coming your way, you need to be patient with the people around you and with the different requests that you're getting and um, kind of organize yourself and look at the priorities and make decisions. And I think you can't do that if you aren't patient with yourself and the people around you. Go ahead. That was a great answer. Jack, I'm looking at your resume. It seems like you played hmm, baseball in high school. You think you're coachable? I do. I think that any task that, that's thrown at me, I, I can kind of figure out. I think that I do a lot of research on my own and I'm going to ask any relevant questions if I'm not sure of, of a specific solution, um, but I'm going to work through a variety of solutions and present to you a couple of different ones that we can kind of go from there. I think presenting options is, is a really important piece of the work environment. Um, and, you know, not being, I don't think that like needy is the right word, but just figuring stuff out on your own and then coming back to your, your boss with a handful of, of potential solves. Elena, it says sense of urgency. Give me an example of you having a sense of urgency. I think um, I will use an example of 
being in school um, when I have a deadline coming up um, and I have a lot of priorities. I can look at the deadlines and the different priorities that I have and create a timeline of what is the most ideal to reach all those deadlines and not um, be panicked. Um, I think with a sense of urgency, you can um, make that prioritization list easier and really uh, complete the tasks in front of you um, efficiently. Um, but I think, I think to build off that, just a thought, is you don't want to do things quickly and incorrectly. I know my managers, at least, they prefer something to be a day late but done correctly than to be you know, on time or early and it needs to be right anyway. You know. So you all have been in the business world for a while. If I said your generation, if I said, do you know what a 30 second elevator pitch is? Just shake your head. Yes or no. Okay, good. It seems like the more guests I have on this show, some know it, some don't know it. We are in the elevator of San Francisco. We're going to go Jack Meyer first. Jack, 30 second elevator pitch. Hey, what do you do? Yes, my name is Jack Meyer. I went to Northeastern University in Boston um, for five years. I, I've I've worked at a couple of different companies in the past, uh, most recently at Hercules Capital, doing venture lending in the finance world. I live in the Bay Area now. I, you know, I'm looking for, for opportunities to continue my career within the financing space. Um, I'm very passionate about life science and, and early stage uh, biotechnology companies. And then I guess I wouldn't you know, tailor it to whoever I was talking to at that point, but Excellent 30 second elevator pitch. Elena thinks she's doing the elevator pitch, had time to think about it. Great question, Michael. Oh my God, Jack, that's so good. But no, we're going to go with Elena. Why should I hire you? You should hire me because I, these on the spot questions, Michael, <laughs> you should hire me because I will be an asset to your team and improve the outcomes that we previously spoke about in the interview. Um, I am a achiever, um, hard worker, and will bring fun to the team as well. <laughs> you said fun. Give me an example of fun. We um, will work together, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. So I think having some banter and, um, some fun getting to know each other, um, you know, at lunch and passing in the halls at the office um, will be, um, you know, more enjoyable if we can have fun working together. And at the end of the day, I communicate this to everyone. It's not really what you say, how you answer it. It's, it, it's not what's coming out of your mouth. It's, are you poised enough? Can you make that answer, right? Can you present? Can you sell yourself? So yes, I'm putting you on the spot. And like I tell anyone that I do this to, Jack, I've done this with your dad. Even when you're a little kid, he goes, I don't think you would hire me. Like your dad just stumbles and uh, uh, but preparation, right? right? I'm sure you guys do this for every interview. We're going to end kind of on preparation. What advice what can you tell someone listening how to be prepared? Yes, you nailed the 30-second conversation, 30-second elevator pitch, why I should hire you, but should you be prepared to have all that ready? 
I think that you can have ideas in your head of like the big picture items. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you want in this job and in your career? You know, what can the company help you with? And like, what's most important to you? Yeah, I think the biggest advice I can give and what helped me the most during the interview process is, and I can't think of the exact questions off the top of my head, but essentially have a couple of projects that you've worked on that you've succeeded in, whether it be, you know, fundraising, a sports team, a specific side project that you were working on. And then there are a lot of questions that you can kind of tailor those projects to. So it's like, hey, tell me about a time that you overcame some adversity in a project um, or something that you were doing. Or tell me about a time that um, you were working on a team that, you know, wasn't very fluid and cooperative and you kind of took charge and, and led, you know, your particular venture to success. And then you can tailor all of these answers to those specific questions. Those are great behavior. What, what Jack Meyer's talking about is behavioral best Correct. behavioral based questions that some people have no idea what it is or how to answer it. But that's why we have this podcast, right? So now we're in San Francisco as we wrap up. Uh, first, how is the San Francisco market? Obviously, you're living there, but is it a place you recommend for someone that just graduated to move out to? Absolutely. I think there are a a million job opportunities um, here. I would say everyone is in their young 20s um, and it's just a fun place to be, a good supportive network. Um, and there are a lot of different networking events, job fairs, um, et cetera, to help support young people um, new in career. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, a tech hub and it continues to be. Um, and within these tech companies, there's hundreds of different jobs. You can work in finance, you can work in marketing, you can work in computer science, you kind of name it um, at any of these companies. Um, and I think that, you know, the city, like Elena was saying, is full of young people. There's more dogs than babies in the city is another great pro. Um, yeah, just a really great city. Favorite restaurant to eat? Date night in San Francisco. Okay, I will start off with our current favorite is the laundromat. Um, it's a pizza restaurant um, by night and a bagel shop by day. Um, and it's absolutely blowing up right now. It's in the Richmond. Um, if you're in the Bay Area, it's the best. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I would say That's another one, Little Sushi Bar is another great one. Little Hole in the Wall Sushi Restaurant, perfect for date nights. All right. So now I, I told you, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot now. All right. You're the fourth couple that I've had on this podcast. Could you potentially be the first couple that gets married out <laughs> of this, this podcast? How, how old are the other couples? They're like all within one to two years. They're younger within one to two years. I think very possible. I think that I'm in no rush, particularly specifically. I think that we've kind of talked about it. I want to be in a better financial position. Um, you know, to kind of move forward with our lives quickly. I think living in an apartment is great and all. Um, I'd like to own a home, be a homeowner in the next five, six, seven years. But I think no doubt if, you know, that was not an obstacle, it would probably be sooner. Elena, would you support that? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page. Will, will Fonger News be invited to the wedding? Yeah. Absolutely. You're giving a speech at the wedding. <laughs> well, 
This has been great having you guys on. Um, we we, we got to do some housekeeping items. Did you know we are brought to you by our sponsor is the Journeyman Whiskey. Sean Pronger and Chris Pronger have their own whiskey out. And I said, you are going to be my sponsor, you know, like this big podcast, right? But the whiskey, it's distilled in Canada. And for all you followers and listeners, you know I love whiskey, the Journeyman Whiskey. So with that, Pronger News out. It's been great having Jack Meyer, Elena Muchnick on The Student Manager. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.